This is the unofficial Shopify podcast with Kurt Elster, your resource for growing your Shopify business. Sponsored by EtherCycle. Welcome back to the unofficial Shopify podcast. I'm your host, Kurt Elster, and joining me today is Zach Weiss from WarnAndWound.com, a wonderful watch blog and a client of mine for the Shopify store. Zach, how are you doing? Doing great. Thanks for having me, Kurt. So tell me, who is Zach Weiss? <laughs> who is Zach Weiss? Um, I am a 30-year-old based in New York. I uh, grew up in New York City as well. I have a background in arts and design. Uh, that's with a, like a bachelor in arts and a master's in product design. Uh, I've worked in product design and graphic design for many years, and uh, during that, had a little side project going with a friend, which turned into uh, Worn and Wound, which is now my full-time gig. You know, aside from being a, an all-around nice guy, you are also, uh, and I say this with the utmost respect, a giant watch nerd. It is true. It is very true. Yeah. Of yeah. You know, I love watches, but of, of all the people I've talked to about watches, you are like a walking encyclopedia. I was so, <laughs> the first time I, you know, I asked your opinion on a couple things, you know, I'm like, oh, I'm thinking about a pilot watch and like the truth bombs you dropped on me blew my mind. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, um, it starts as an interest, then it becomes an obsession. And then, you know, you're very quickly, yes, yeah, so a watch nerd or a watch file or a watch on the forums, they call them WISs, watch idiot savants, which is just, you know, people who, it's everything you do. And the next thing you know, you're just memorizing reference numbers and this, that, and the other thing. It, it becomes overwhelming, but it's it's enjoyable because, you know, there's an endless amount of watches out there to uh, appreciate. So. And it's interesting because you're, in, um, you're in a really interesting space in that, you know, you're into Swiss watches, but not like the $8,000, $10,000 Rolex and Panerais. You like this very specific sweet spot of like $800 to $2,000, right? Yeah. I mean, so Warner Mountain, you know, we're the affordable watch blog is kind of, you know, I think what people kind of commonly refer to us as. And, that, and, that's, and that's true. I mean, we just, we've always focused on a more obtainable price point. Um, and that started initially, I mean, and it started and it still is because that's, you know, who we are. That's what we are looking at. That's what we as, as collectors and, you know, hobbyists can purchase. Um, and the price kind of ranges from, you know, like, you know, there's no free watch with $0 to around $5,000. And we've kind of figured that as like, and this is from talking to other people, collectors who collect everything up to six figure watches, uh, as being this, this kind of as sort of entry level. And even if it's not affordable in the you know, wide world of what affordable means, you know, obviously right. $5,000 is a lot to spend on anything or so is a thousand. Uh, in the industry, it's kind of the affordable section, but we still largely talk about like under a thousand, you know, to me, a good $200 mechanical watch that you can wear every day and like, you know, exudes style and really fits with you as a person is just as good as a $2,500 watch that, you know, has the same effect or feeling. I mean, there's differences in quality and how they're made and nuance, but at the end of the day, like, it's just about wearing them and enjoying them. You know, it, it, the 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 price isn't necessarily related directly to that. You know, at the same time, we focus on quality and everything. But you know, I have a sixty dollar watch. These Seiko's watches, I wear them just as often as you know some of my forty year old vintage watches. Yeah, actually, you know, it's kind of funny. the The path I followed was, you know, I found worn and wound on Instagram. In which case, it's kind of like you're known for a particular pose that you sort yes. of coined the worn and wound pose, which is you got your um, your ankle rests on your knee. I never thought that that would be of the things that people would gravitate to. I never thought that would be it. Yeah, on watch forums, it's like anybody who takes that shot, it's like, oh, it's the worn and wound pose, which is, it's kind of like the coolest thing that you have, you are known for a pose. Yeah. 
<laughs> the yeah, but I found like I found you on Instagram, which is great free marketing if you can do good photography and you've got great yeah. photos on Instagram. Thank and you. then you know I subscribed to your blog um, and I ended up buying like I bought um, I got a Seiko bullhead off eBay because of that you know that really interesting. Um, section you're in which is like affordable vintage yeah affordable vintage is great we I mean, just today ran an article you know and it's just it's one of these things where there really is a, a never-ending treasure trove of watches out there and uh you know they might not all be by name brands um like the one today is not a brand that most people would recognize but the watch is gorgeous you know and as long as you're not looking for an investment grade piece but you just want a very cool vintage watch something like that you know that you could pick up for few hundred dollars is excellent and then those seikos i mean those could recommend those any day of the week like a seiko vintage seiko chronograph is cool it has credibility it's a well-made machine and they're just they're just affordable you know they're just well they're they're not that rare they're not scarce you know what i mean so i mean there's still things to look for they've been kind of hacked up and people switch out parts and things like that like it's worth having a good eye but you know still for three hundred dollars if a handset isn't the original handset you still have a gorgeous watch yeah mine was original but for the band and it was like 200 bucks really what you've done is just taken your hobby and your passion and made that infectious and people pick up on that like you can't fake it it's your hobby but how did you get into watches and blogging about watches well, getting into watches was really uh, lifelong. So uh, I grew up around watches. My dad collects watches. Uh, not like a super high-end collector, but he's always been into watches. He's always had watches. He still has a great you know, collection uh, to this day and obviously keeps up with the blog very regularly. So I don't remember what my first watch, I, have a, I, have a, I could guess what my first watch was, but I don't remember really never, ever not wearing a watch. As I grew up a little bit, you know, changed with the swatches. Because watch, you know, as a, starting, as a company to start get your feet wet as a kid, with watches, you know, you have colorful watches first, and they have metal watches, and at the time they had more mechanical, well, now they have mechanical watches again, too, but, you know, it's just like, I could kind of, like, see my tastes evolve through the watches I wore, and then I started kind of get an interest in design, that kind of led me my education, so I actually went to, like I said, undergraduate for art, always wore a watch then, and then at graduate school, went to design, uh, you know, school for industrial design, so that kind of gelled and so it's like well I, this object i've always had in my life is like still my favorite thing so you know as a watch it mixes three dimensional design two dimensional design style mechanics history you know there's more loaded into a watch than i think any other object certainly that you wear but you know then mostly that you can even buy because it just there's just so much going on, really, with every single watch. I mean, some of my watches, much to the uh, chagrin of the people I talk to, you know, I could go on and on and on about a single watch that I own for 20, 30 minutes because of the story behind them, because of who designed it and what, you know, and what else can you do that? I can't, you know, and I, I you know, I'm, I'm a fan of men's style and fashion as well, but I can't go on and on and on about the Oxford shirt I'm wearing. How did you turn that into essentially a blogging career? Yeah, no, I mean, so that was kind of accidental. So, uh, you know, I co-founded Warner Wound with Blake Mallon, who we're buddies from college, and we were just hanging out four or five years ago in the city as per usual, like just, you know, not really, I think we're just kind of like bored, you know, I mean, we're like playing video games, drinking beer, just hanging out regularly and like, it just kind of came up that Blake was interested actually in buying a watch and he had a few hundred bucks to do it with. And like we started looking and he was, he knew I always love watches. So he was just like, what do you recommend? And we just started kind of digging around for a cool watch. And we found that there was a, this gap for a discussion on watches in that price range. Um, I mean, there were some articles out there, obviously there's some forums, but there wasn't anything really in depth. There wasn't anything with uh, really high end photography or video or presented in kind of a, you know, the high-end manner. So, you know, we just were like, well, 
you know, I have a background in design, I know presentation and uh, photography. So let me just give it a shot and just totally for fun, really. So and we both, we went to a college, I should say, that was very, very writing intensive. So we're both pretty confident writers too. So, you know, that helps. It took off very quickly. You know, we did a couple reviews of, I mean, really inexpensive watches, you know, so literally Seikos and Sovets and stuff like that. I mean, we liked them all, but we were just kind of picking them up as we could and posted them here and there on the uh, now defunct uh, Poor Man's Watch Forum and on Watch You Seek, and people just loved it. People loved seeing, you know, a $100 Seiko 5 talked about in the same way that people will talk about a $7,000 IWC or a $20,000 AP, you know, and like, it you know, just caught on and very quickly realized, like, this isn't going to be a hobby. Like, we stumbled on something here. So how quickly, you know, how, how quickly did you know? And what was the... What was traffic like? Oh, God, it's hard to remember. You know, any when you're first starting, especially when it's not intentional and, like, you get any traffic, it's exciting. So, like, yeah, people, 75 people want to read this in a day. That's crazy. You know, and now we're, you know, in the tens of thousands, not tens of thousands, but, like, thousands upon thousands. And it's, you know, it's a, it's a whole different ball game. But, yeah, when did we – I think it was just when it was consistently growing. You know what I mean? Like, it's – it wasn't like we had a hit of 51 day and then it would be at zero for a week. It was like we're 51 day, 50 the next day, and then 55. And then, you know, just we're clearly on this upward trend. And then a couple of things maybe got picked up. Like I think um, early on a, re- a guide I did to like black watches, you know, like PVD watches with black dial and stuff like that. Like dark, you know, like stealthy watches just got picked up by some fashion blog or something. And like suddenly we had a few hundred in a day. And then people stayed from that you know we picked up readers from that and like it just yeah it just it just snowballed and then we started talking about doing products and that's kind of when it like really changed once we started moving you know selling straps alongside of it and seeing that this wasn't just a blog that was growing but a potentially successful business model the rest is history it just kind of took the plunge eventually left my job and so how do you make that uh how do you make that jump into into making straps? We should, yes. you know, we say that what essentially what you did was, you know, you you took a you start with your passion, yeah. you built an audience around that through content marketing. So you built an audience through, you know, essentially mm. content marketing. You didn't pay for ads or anything. You know, you just built subscribers and gave mm. them channels on social yep. media to subscribe to, but had really compelling content that was unique. To date, I still don't think anyone does it does anything at, like you or near if they do near not nearly as well. You know, once you had that engaged audience, you started selling watch straps to them. And I think it makes sense because especially like, you know, if you're buying these 20, 30-year-old watches, the original band or strap is usually is trashed or missing. So you need something good to put on it. So you've come out with this line of vintage straps. So how did that happen? Tell me about that. So there's just kind of a synergy that happened. I mean, first off, like I said, like I'm a designer and I have have experience with getting things made, you know. And like, so there was this, uh, not necessarily like a lack of of fear like it's like something i know how to do so that's a, a great starting point in that it was like it wasn't just a wild concept like how on earth does do we make this happen like i knew the steps i mean we hadn't even having worked in the industry there's a big difference between working for a company where things get made and doing it on your own and but you know just having a leg up on the knowledge and how to present technical data you know information and drawings and a li- being able to speak the language at least a little bit to manufacturers gave me at least you know the confidence to go ahead and um to do it, to spend our money, you know, essentially. And um, I've still learned so much in the process of doing that. Uh, you know, it's incredible. You know, I, and now I think I really didn't know very much. Yeah, you're always, today is the the dumbest you'll ever be every day. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, but yeah, no, it's kind of a similar thing. So in the same sense that we saw an opportunity 
with the blog and finding this niche for affordable uh, watch discussion, we kind of felt that you know, while there's a lot of like replacement, there's a lot of really, really I mean, great replacement watch strap brands out there that have been out there for, you know, 80, 100 years. But there was a, kind of an opening for something more unique, something more kind of American heritage styled, something, you know, kind of just more in the, the fashion where we're from style wise. And also American Mate was part of it, too. You know. Your designs are they're not outrageous, but as soon as you see them, you know it's something different and special. Yeah, I know, exactly. So we, we just wanted them to be different. And then, you know, we didn't want to buy straps either from somebody and, and rebrand them. We, we decided to take, you know, the harder route and design them ourselves, go and make the tooling with manufacturers and sample them and go through the, the long process of making it really ours. You know, I mean, even just doing it, we do it. You know, our straps are all currently made in New York City. And then on top of that, like you even um, leverage someone else's audience and brand name a little bit in that some, correct me, some or all of the straps are made of Horween leather. They are made of Horween leather. Horween's beautiful leather. I mean, that was part of it. You know, it's just like, it's 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 simple to say, but I mean, all the shoe brands are using leather, all the fashion brands are, are Horween leather. But um, there was a lot less of that in the watch straps. I mean, it's it's growing. It's changing really quickly. You know, we're part of a, of, of a change in the industry um, that's just happening around us as well. But yeah, I mean, to utilize these really stylistic, beautiful leathers. I mean, nothing compares to the catalog of, of Horween leather, not, you know, <laughs> not to like uh, have a, a sponsorship. But it's just, you know, I have all these books of their leather and it's just, it's gorgeous. I mean, you could just start anywhere and, you know, they have tons of different leathers. And frankly, I mean, even within that, people haven't used a lot of the cool leathers that they have. Yeah, I've got those um, those Chrome Excel boots from Red Wing. You know, it's it's nice, but you've got a much more, you know, I'm wearing your, your Horween olive suede. Yeah, no, that leather. Yeah, exactly. That leather is just, it's so beautiful. It's like a, mil, you know, drab olive color. Um, it's kind of an interesting, has an interesting feel to it. And it's it's both rugged and stylish. So it's like a, just a great, product you know um but yeah no and then you know the last the last part of the whole kind of recipe was that we wanted to make them you know as affordable as we could make them you know so make manufacturing in the u.s is is expensive compared to manufacturing overseas but you know you can be responsible with your margins or whatever you know or how you ever want to do it like and just doing e-commerce doing direct to consumer sales allows us to do a different you know, margin structure, obviously, than classic retail. So we can sell our straps and do well with them and not charge a couple hundred dollars for them. Um, you know, that said, they're still expensive for a lot of people, but they're high value. So like, if anything, I think your product is, it's a great product. I haven't seen anyone who's been able to match the quality and the design. I think it should be more, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> you know, thank you. Thank you. Um, you know, I mean, obviously, like, prices go up, unfortunately, with, you know, our cost increases occasionally, and we just did have a slight price increase, but we kept it, you know, to what we could um, to not make it too much. But, um, you know, we get that comment a lot, and I really, I, I like it, because it suggests, you know, what we're doing is obviously, it's right. You know, if it if our $100 strap is as nice and as rugged and as long-lasting as the $150 yeah. strap that you've seen before, you know, like, yes, maybe we could charge 150 but... At a hundred, it's it's a better value, and as long as we can hold that for while, we can hold it. You know, we're happy doing it. So, so how long? Um, you know, I actually don't know how long have you been selling um your straps online. Um, it's a little over two years now. 
Yeah. Okay. And you use shop? Have you used Shopify? Yeah, we use Shopify time? the whole time. And did you ever do e-commerce before this? Is this your first? This is our first e-commerce venture? venture. Yeah. All right. So what's one thing, one problem with e-commerce that you never expected to have? I didn't. You know, it, we haven't really had like a problem in like the like classic sense of it. But I'd say there's things that we maybe didn't quite expect, and um, this is perhaps true with all commerce. I mean, I'm, so, I'm sure it's true with all commerce, not just e-commerce, but you know, the second you sell things, you have customers and you need customer service. And I think because of online, you know, the communication, the ability to communicate with the company is so easy and so quick. So, and it's not just problems, it's everyone buying their straps and liking their straps. So the second you sell something, you're getting responses. And, you know, we luckily have three partners and our partner James in California is like, you know, he does the customer service, but it's just very quickly became you know, a lot to do. And uh, so it's not a problem. It's just an unexpected consequence of, of selling straps, especially to, and the watch people are very talkative. I mean, <laughs> like, you know, as you can tell for me, like we get something, we obsess over it. We want people to know about it. Um, and if there's something not right about it, we'll probably tell you about it. So it's that whole thing. It's just, you start this conversation and it's great because, you know, a lot of our customers are return customers who, you know, have shown us the watches that they wear their straps on and, you know, they help us evolve and grow. It's just that it's a, it's a lot to do, you know, so it's just impressive. So yeah, not a problem, just an unexpected uh, uh, thing we have to factor in now, you know. There's always going to be stuff, and I've yet to run an e-commerce business, but there's always things people never realize about e-commerce. Like, you know, first off, manufacturing is always going to be harder than you think. Um, and trying to wrangle, you know, timelines and costs. Oh, yeah. well, that's always, always going to be yeah. difficult. Um, but once you have a product, yeah, I think, you know, the actual fulfillment mm-hmm. um, and customer service, people don't realize how much time that ends up taking. I mean, it takes a ton of time to to pick and pack packages. And then, you know, God help you if you screw one up, because now you got to send a return label, get it back, switch it. You know, and likely if you screwed up one, you screwed up two. And it's like you're not, you're working in your business as opposed to on your business. You're not adding any value to anything. Yeah. So um, Shipwire, I think, is the the best solution that I've heard of. Yeah, that's what we're um, and I th- into. Yeah. So. yeah, people like Shipwire a lot. You know, the only issue it gets into, and it's hard for everybody, is um, international shipping. And one of the things, you know, a lot of people will declare like a lower value on stuff or declare it as a gift. Um, but with Shipwire, you know, they're not going to do any of those shenanigans for you. You know, customs and all that is kind of a right. mess. So um, there's, it's, you know, I don't know how other companies would get around <clears throat> customs holding things and custom charging a lot to people in other countries. So we'll see. But yeah, the, yeah. Um, and then there's also VAT, which I don't even like know where to begin with VAT. Yeah, yeah, no, I, once again, look, this isn't this isn't the part of my business that's necessarily my specialty, and I'm I'm glad it isn't because I have my head full of of editorial and design stuff. But yeah, no, it gets. I know you're the lucky one. You get to do the fun yeah. stuff. No, I don't. Luckily, the the, the creative one. Uh, but you know, it's great to have partners who are organized and business yeah. focused because you know I'm I'm lost in photography most of the day, and they can keep everything else running. So yeah. So in your journey, what do you think? What's been the biggest roadblock to success? The biggest roadblock to success? Um, Maybe you didn't have any. Maybe you no. got lucky and it's just been smooth <laughs> no, sailing the whole you know, way. I mean, it's, 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 like, it's a learning prog- process, as, as you know. So like there have been some issues. It's probably man, you know, learning on the manufacturing side of things. I mean, you've actually brought it up a minute ago, but there's you know timelines and uh, all these other things that are hard to kind of uh, – factor correctly before you have the experience in them. So, you know, now I just assume everything's going to take much longer than it 
and then it says it will you know that's kind of like the how i run now and then if it comes in <laughs> on time or early it's just exceptional but yeah everything takes longer than you expect so you have to first plan for that and we're you know we're a small company we started that we bootstrapped this so we don't at first you know at least you know have a well of cash to put in giant orders so you know at first we were doing small orders and they're taking time and kind which of, ramps yeah and that ramps up the you know your your piece price on each exactly thing. all that little all those little things that come in with it so you know just learning and i think people realize um they don't realize how much tooling costs oh yeah no tooling is expensive it's all yeah i mean it's there's a lot to learn i mean every little thing you know i mean from yeah the the tools to to cut the dies to uh the logo dies to the hardware dies i mean it all yeah, that's a lot of pieces it, it, you yeah. have made. I mean, that's that's thousands of dollars for one exactly, strap. Exactly, right exactly. So, so the the first strap off the line is going to cost several thousand, yeah, and then every like yeah, totally. right every really... subsequent strap is going to be uh, significantly less. But yeah. people don't realize. No, that. yeah, exactly. You can't just like make walk in and make a strap tomorrow. So what's um? I mean, you are your watch. You're watch obsessed. I am too. What's one thing you wish you could change about the watch industry? You know, the watch industry is a funny industry. Um, and it, it, I've realized just how funny it is the more involved I get. Because, you know, by the nature that it, they're making watches, especially mechanical watches, it's kind of an, an anachronistic industry. It's one that has its roots in the past. and Right. Because um, admittedly, quartz is, is cheaper. Quartz is cheaper and, and more Significantly accurate. more accurate. Yeah, you know, if you wanted, like if you're just looking at, those aspects of things, you know, if you wanted the most accurate watch, it wouldn't be the a mechanical watch. It would be a probably less expensive, you know, solar powered, atomic synced digital watch or something. <laughs> you know, and that's and that's and that's awesome. And that's one thing. But you know, for what we're talking about, there's more of this kind of romantic uh, right. side of it, and like, you know, like I said, the history about, of the mechanical yeah. movement that is on your wrist and the technology there, and it just it all it all builds this into this object that you can relate to. And that, that's just part of it. There's like a, there's a thing that's it's very this, hard to the... articulate about watches that like, if you get it, you get it and you're totally obsessed. If you don't get it, you probably never will, you know? And it's part of this right. whole, the soul of the watch and having the, the, you know, escapement beating in there, like there's a heart in there and you have to keep it wound up. And, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's the only object like that. I mean, yeah, you, you know, it. and it requires, you know, one of the things I love, um, it requires maintenance. I love, um, tinkering with the the micro adjustment <laughs> on the movement and getting it to like exactly you know as close as i can you know to an accurate movement is yeah. i find deeply satisfying and like relative you know it's like well your phone has an atomic watch like it is li- it is totally asinine that i'm doing this yeah. but i love it no totally i mean so yeah so i mean there's that whole side of it and that's what we love about it but the flip side of that is that the watch industry is slow to change there's it's just a weird relationship with them and they're changing, but there's it's a strange relation with this almost a, a feel of distance or a feel of mistrust or something of, of online media, of blogs, and um, getting around that, you know. So that's the thing I would, I would like to change, and it is changing, you know. And there's the younger brands get it, you know, it's those older brands that kind of are slowly starting to get it. Um, because I guess, like, you know, our site's a good example, it's not just articles, it's a conversation, it's a community, and as watches become more popular, you know, we're like an entry point for the watch conversation for a lot of, you know, a lot of guys, you know, guys going to get their first watch at a couple hundred dollars. Like I said, if you get into it, then that's, it's only the first part of it. You know, the next watch is going to be a couple hundred more. And then you're, you're in it, you have a collection and you're probably a lifelong watch collector. Um, So I just feel like the watch brands, 
they need to think of it kind of like that, you know, that not just the, the people who are buying in stores that might just be walking off the street or buying in malls are potentially going to become obsessed with it as well. And they're going to find our sites and they're going to get more into the cult side of things. So, you know, it's just the support of it, the marketing support, things like that. It's, it's, they're just a bit, um, shy still of it you know it's a it's a community i think that's what i'm hearing is you've built a community you know around this mutually shared obsession yeah um and you've you know you're giving them resources um and tools and a conversation and then on top of that Mm. you're saying well you know if you want we also have these fantastic straps but you know what there are other fantastic straps out there i mean it's incredibly like it's a really low pressure thing yeah and i'm you know it's a it's not just us as well, you know, I'm, I'm, there are great blogs out there, you know, I mean, if you are into watches, then I'm sure you also read, you know, Hodinky, who talks right. about, they talk about much higher end than we do, but very intelligent conversation. And, you know, it's, it's, it's just, there's a lot, it's a large community, it's a large and growing community. So it's all of us together, you know, talking about this and the value of daily readership and return readers, um, you know, it's just, there's just a slight resistance to it all still from watch brands and, and yeah, and changing. if you want to really see change. that resistance, um, yeah. try and mention the the Apple Watch to any um, any Swiss watch enthusiast. It's like, <laughs> yeah, well, that's you yeah, may as no, well have clubbed a, a baby seal. Yeah, no, I mean it's and it's silly because I think those are like two totally different industries. Like I don't think they overlap. Totally. totally. And I really, if had Apple not made a you know eighteen thousand dollar watch, I don't even think that conversation would happen. Yeah, no, I mean, you know, it's Apple. So Apple does anything and it changes the world to some extent, you know. And I think the the person who's wearing a mechanical watch now is obviously not going to give it up for uh, a, a cell phone peripheral, which is really, you know, how I think about them. But the digital right, watch. Yeah, it isn't a people, smart watch. It's, it is a wearable a, a wearable extension of your smartphone. It really yeah, is. Yeah, no. And totally. You know, and for you, me, like, I, I'm not a not watch. A, yeah, no, it's 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 not a watch in this. I mean, you wouldn't call your cell phone a smart pocket watch. You know, nobody has ever <laughs> tried to make that claim. Um, but at the same time, as like a wearable a piece of electronics, you know, I'm sure they're going to change the way we think about wearable electronics, and they're going to, you know, I I've actually only had a kind of a couple minutes of hands-on time with one, and um, I have one incoming, but. Uh, it was immediately just, it's a beautiful object, you know, I mean, as you expect from Apple, it's, it's sculptural, that sapphire crystal on there is like, you know, if that was on a watch, that watch would be an extremely expensive watch. So there's like little details to it that are yeah, and on the um, you know, very nice. The back too, the, even that heart rate monitor, the back is yeah. sapphire. No, they certainly, like, as wearable technology goes, it is extremely well made. Yeah. Um, you know, so for but, me, like I see it as potentially, it's not going to disrupt the mechanical watch market, certainly not the hotterology watch market. And like, of course not. But and that's why it's um, silly for those people to be offended by it. Yeah, no, it's just yeah, people are kind of caught up in in it and being like, oh well, it's I'm I'm cooler than that or something. But um, you know, at the same time, everyone's still getting these because everyone wants to play with them. So I mean, they, right. Apple's going to get in anyway because you know you want one to try it out because it is the new fancy toy. But to me, what's interesting is that it could change like the G-Shock market. You know, the 16-year-old who wants that for his birthday or whatever might end up with an Apple Watch. And then yeah, I think come like Christmas time, you know, I, for 400 bucks, I think or 350 starting, they're going to sell a ton of them at Christmas. Yeah, they're um, gonna as please. gifts for people. But you know, versus like a Swiss watch, you know, unless you're a hedge fund manager, you're not buying Swiss watches as gifts. Yeah, exactly. Especially the especially yeah. the higher end, and you know, yeah. I mean, so it's still a very different thing. But it is the future of digital watches. I mean, it's just yeah, and it's a totally different market. So I think it's totally different market. But yeah, I mean, I'm curious. I'm still I can't 
I don't feel comfortable wearing a watch on each wrist. I know some people do. Some people I, do. Um, I've, I've never told anyone. As a kid, like in elementary school, I used to wear two watches. But I yeah. wore like two on one wrist. Okay. I oh, didn't that's... wear them on separate wrists. And no, I don't know what the logic there was. <laughs> you have two time zones, perhaps. Um, I think like one was a calculator watch. I don't know. I don't right. think there was much like logic to it. I was just like, this is what I'm doing. <laughs> no, but yeah, so I kind of want to try an Apple Watch and actually try it. That's the thing. If I'm going to try one, I want to actually wear it, but I'm not going to take off my other watch. So I might have to double wrist for a while and to see if I can. Yeah, you know, we've got um, in the office, we, we got two Apple Watches and it's kind of yeah. funny. We, um, you know, the night, the thing I like most about it is um, being, is Apple Pay, being able to just like quickly pay with the watch um, is very neat. And yeah, beyond okay. that, I'm like, you know, the, and the thing I hate the most about it, and this speaks to, you know, being a, a watch geek, 99% mm-hmm. of the time, the face is black. So yeah. as like an accessory or, you know, just being able to enjoy it as a fashion item, you know, mm-hmm. I don't think it works because the majority of the face is just this this blank black screen most of the time um, versus, you know, any yeah. other watch you've got, at, you know, any angle, it's always this beautiful face. No, um, totally. And I mean, the lower angles on... A really great watch dial. Sometimes it's those kind of hidden angles that only you see as like the owner of the watch. Right. That are really the the like the charm that kind of wins it over for you, you know. And yeah, no, it is it is very strange because then it's just uh, it's it's just a piece of jewelry. I mean, if it's not on, then it's it's just an inert object, you know. Yeah, and, and I think that's that's kind of the strange thing about about smart yeah. watches. Um, totally. But as far as like functionality, I mean, it adds it adds some nice things. Um, the least of which being that it tells time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was kind of yeah. like to the point that it's <laughs> Apple, so people will buy it. I was in Starbucks, um, and my my uh, my business partner was was there, and he paid with his Apple Watch. And this yeah. woman from across Starbucks yells, "Oh my God, is that an Apple Watch?" <laughs> and she's like yelling at him across <laughs> the store about it. Yeah. yeah, and she's she's like, "What?" It, she's like, "I tried to get one, I couldn't get it. How do you get it?" And he's like, "Well, I pre-ordered it early, you know, like at two a.m." Yeah. She's like, oh, I couldn't get one. I want to get one. And then she says the amazing question, what does it do? She knew she had to have one. She was trying to, like, just desperately trying to throw money at Apple to get one. Literally didn't know what it did. Yeah. <laughs> just knew she needed it. Yeah. Which is funny. And that's, and that's how they'll they'll get their market share regardless. It's just, yeah, just but, like, you know, that person, that woman, she's not going to wear a Swiss watch. Like, it's just not. Yeah, clearly, that's not what she's into. Probably not. Um, yeah. All right, last question, and I have mm-hmm. I have really um, enjoyed this talk. You've been definitely one of my my top favorite guests so far. Oh. So, all right, let's say you had to do it over again, or you had a time machine, you know, and you went back and you're you're warning earlier, dumber, less experienced Zach. Mm. What's one thing you'd tell yourself to do differently? I think I might have actually already kind of alluded to, but like, yeah, I mean, could if I went into the past and be like, oh yeah, don't work with so and so manufacturer or something like that. I mean, would that have helped, or would I just not learn the lessons? So maybe it's better that I I couldn't go into the past. Um, but yeah, I mean, there are just a handful of of tips and pointers to manufacturing. I wish I knew just like the, it's even a terminology stuff, you know, just like, you know, or what a die should cost or versus, you know, to make sure I'm not getting overcharged on the markup of a die, you know, little things like that, just to make everything run smoother and know that, uh, um, to know that we weren't getting like ripped off anywhere. You're right. You can't learn that without having done it. So, 
certainly some manufacturers are going to prey on people's inexperience. Yeah, exactly. You know, but it's, you know, it's a whole time travel issue. If I went in the past and told myself that, I would have never learned the lesson. So I would never have known to go into the past. So Yeah. No, I think um, probably, the you know, um, in that case, the best thing you could do is is seek someone else out yeah. and hopefully find like a mentor, you know, yeah, or no, someone who can give you a little think. bit of like benchmark oh. or guidance. No, that's, the, I mean, I think that would be the, the advice to, to get. Is like, I mean, we have now, like, you know, we've met people who are advisors to us and uh, in various things from business to you know, marketing to PR, all that kind of stuff. You know, now we know experts and I think it took us a little while to seek them out. So I, uh, I would say if I could do it all over again, I'd say get that going early on. You know, I just admit that you don't, you don't know, know everything and find advisors. Everything. And not that we ever did think we knew everything, but it's just like the value of getting the right person. And it's hard to find the right person too. Well, and part of it is, you know, you don't know what you don't know. Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah. And having, you know, having someone who's done it to help can help yeah um yeah because yeah silly silly flaws or for us you know for me personally i'm not a, a very uh outgoing person per se i'm not, not really like ego driven or anything like that so i might be shy when it comes to promoting myself and things like that so you know if i did do it over again i'd maybe say like you know you have a good thing going like push it more, you know, I could push the blog harder. I could get in, not get into people's faces, but I'm, you know, say we're here, say what we're doing. Cause I've always felt, I'm always a little shy about that. So, okay. but it, we, you know, we don't need to, now we're not, now, now I know, you know, so I'm like, a, not aggressive, but I'm, I'm happy to say that we've done something great and, you know, that people really like it and, you know, there's no, there's no shame in saying that. But so I tell, I tell Zach four years ago, like, just go for it. You know, if there's a brand you want to talk to, just talk to them. So yeah, if you don't ask, no one's going to reach out to you. I mean, yeah. what's the worst case scenario is they say no. Yeah. So. No, I mean, like, you know, it's funny. We, we never expected to even be a lend to watch, you know, and I remember sending those first emails to getting a watch, uh, a sample for review. And it was like, it was nerve wracking. It was like, how, why would anybody send us a watch for review? Why would, <laughs> you know? Yeah, you have a, it's a bit of imposter syndrome. Well, there is. That's, I mean, you know, when you're a small brand asking for watches to review, um, people do distrust you because they think you are just going to take it. So the first trick, the first step, it's not a trick. I mean, it's just like convincing people you're legitimate. Um, and I don't remember how we did that other than being like, you know, look at the content. The content isn't fake. It takes a lot of time. It's not a 200-word article on a watch. It's a 2,000-word yeah. article on a watch. You know. Yeah. No, having so. those examples out there um, certainly helps. Okay, Zach, I won't take up any more of your time. Um, I did really enjoy this. Where, If people want to learn more about you, where should they go? Bornandwound.com, best place to start. And uh, if you're interested in our straps, then shop.bornandwound.com. Fantastic. Any new uh, exciting products on the horizon? Oh, yeah. yeah we're um, unveiling probably next week, honestly. So we're going to be doing the pop-up flea in New York on May 8th through 10th, which is a really cool uh, kind of flea market with great uh, like heritage wear, really good kind of the kind of stuff we like, leather goods and just, you know, bags and shoes and button cool belts and ties all largely made in the States. And we're going to be doing that flea and we're going to use that opportunity to bring out a couple of new straps, including some cordovan straps, which we're really excited about because uh, cordovan is just an incredible yeah. material, really, really high-end luxurious material. So it's really beautiful. Very cool. All right. I look forward to that. Uh, Zach, thank you Thanks again so. for joining us and have a great day. Thanks again for the Yeah, you too.